sick. I'm not ready. Gina? <laughs> I forgot. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Go for Just it. Just fine. You start. Oh, well. should I start? Yeah. Great. I'll be listening. Um, it's I'll been be a while. Listening. Will you be listening? Because you couldn't <laughs> listen to me before. Now, um, I just, so we all know that I am an ardent and uh, rigid optimist, regardless of whatever heat that I may I'm face sorry, on the streets and or social media. Pop-timist? A Uh I first heard the term on NPR and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I want it. Uh, no, it just it, it just means that like you have no problem like enjoying top 40 because there was like a oh. period in time where it was like, it wasn't quote unquote cool to like top 40. And then eventually, A, I think I, I, it really came out of like dancing more because like a lot of times in like the dance program that I was at in undergrad, it was like a lot of pop music being played. I just got to like it. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, it also gets exposed to more of it. But then B, uh, somewhere along the way, I just started to like liking things i just like liking things more than not liking things and like trying to figure fun. yeah and a just lot of like people don't like liking things and i'm like right. you must not enjoy your life then you know right i'm just like i want to i want to find the thing that i'm supposed to like you know and um so i am currently doing that with a particular new album um i've listened to it a few times maybe 12 plus who knows Ooh. not even myself at this point um <clears throat> But I think it's really cool. I think it's really varied. I think there's something for everyone. But like, there's just there's just one thing that I don't like. And my brother's a songwriter, and he he goes into this too. I just think we need to get rid of the word uh, "darling." What? Yeah. No. Because no one fucking uses that word in real life. It is only My used nana. in song. Oh, your nana? nana? Well, when your nana writes music, used. she can put the word darling she in passed. it. Thank, uh, well, thank you, Stephen. Thanks for reminding me. Wow. Well, you know what? When she sings ago, from above, she can put darling. It is, it, well, in it is a word that used to have, like, it, I imagine that it used to be more vernacularly used sure. and now is sort of a, I'm being poetic or I'm I'm sort of, putting right. something on, I guess. But it's like a thing that's like outside Darling. of music. Darling. Nobody uses it. And so it's like, I I just would get to this point of like, when's the last time you called, you know, your girlfriend in his, his circumstance, you know, in Taylor Swift's stance, like her boyfriend. When's the last time she said Darling. I would like to. I think you I want to bring, dar- bring so darling. You get bring darling back. I bring darling Hashtag back. Hashtag bring darling back. back. I'm gonna no. try because I don't know that I could say it without being really self conscious about it. Right. But I want to. It's a sweet word. I think it's a very sweet word. Yeah. Darling. I'm gonna look it up right now as far as its origins. Yeah, I don't it's know. I mean, it goes back a long time. I mean, if kill your darlings, I feel like oh, is really old. Um, yeah. I. I Anyways. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't like, it just feels so, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not able to list anyone any offhand, but like, I feel like there's a way that, you know, people talk in movies that's like a kind of, I'm going to speak to exactly the emotion of the scene, which is something that's just like, it only happens in movies. And yet it seems to happen the same way in every movie not because it happens in life, but because the people writing the movie have watched other movies. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
is this thing that only gets recycled through song, but doesn't really have any continued basis in real life. Sure, so I just sure. like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Well, okay. Got to get rid of it. I'll bring it back. That's not, that's not my thing, but hashtag bring it back. Hashtag bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think I would like to improve zipper technology. Hmm. Um, I, it's an old technology, I imagine by now old in the sense of like at least a, what? I think, 70, I think second industrial revolution probably. Oh, I think it's more than more, 70 more than years s- old. Well, I, I mean, mean, buttons, it used to be, I feel like even in the thirties, forties, it was all buttons. Oh, now I have to look okay, that you up. You look that up. I, I could be just total nonsense, but anyways, it's been around for long enough and it's a simple enough idea that I feel like a zipper should last forever. There should be no mm-hmm. reason for a zipper to not last forever. And essentially, you know, when you have a zipper bags, right. Uh, and then the zipper breaks. It's just really devastating. I have a great little bag. Zipper Aww. broke. It's actually a bag you got for free at like an event and you gave to me. Wait a minute. Years what does ago. it look like? It's a little, uh-oh, did you not mean to give it? It's a little black like purse backpack. Oh, I didn't. You, uh, you, oh, no, I didn't get that in an event. Oh, you didn't. No. My mom, so she, what happened is she bought that bag. It was like on sale. Oh. For like a hundred dollars down from like four hundred and fifty dollars. And so she bought it like online and she thought it would be like kind of a nice leather backpack mm-hmm. for me. And then when it came it's very small. She, well, it's not just small, but it's also like more feminine than mm-hmm. it seemed in the in the picture. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you know, do you have any like women that you'd give it to? And I was like, Yeah. And oh, so, that's yeah, so I much more meaningful than yeah. I ever even realized. Well, right. now I'm even sadder that the zipper. Okay, well, now I will invest in just getting it a new zipper because it deserves it deserves right. it. Um, but yeah, I just it doesn't seem either like the way a zipper is attached to fabric should just be better so that it doesn't mm-hmm. get caught in the fabric, or you know, the way zippers starts, like the beginning of the right. zipper should just be more efficient so that it doesn't ever get caught or break. That's all. Right. Yeah. My the thing that I hate the most about the zipper is like when it there's always like it, i don't know how it always seems to just catch whatever it is a coat a backpack or whatever it like will catch the liner mm-hmm. and either break the zipper or tear the liner and i'm like i the, yeah it, it, you're exactly mm-hmm. right of like mm-hmm. how did this yeah how did kill me how long have we had zippers did you find that so fact? yes so Ooh. all right i knew i recognized the name elias Howe, and he is the inventor of the sewing machine uh but he has the patent for the closure but it seems to be well fuck me i can't hold on hold on hold on it seems like he got the patent um but it says that it was more of an elaborate drawstring than a true slide fastener but I think that we're looking at. Just give me a year. Just throw out don't you 19. Dare. All right, 23. 34. Oh, 23? You said? Yeah. Okay. All right. The 100-year zipper. 100-year zipper. A memoir. Um, um, great. Well, 
enough about zippers, right? There's so many kinds of zippers. Let's not, Stephen. Stephen, I'm going to close that tab. Invisible zippers. Reverse coil zippers. Metal zippers. Plastic molded zippers. All right. Welcome to. Should we keep this? I don't usually do this part, but I got it. A cultural review. See, I can't even do it. You can't do it. The cultural review podcast, you know and love, where we go back in time over the last 50 years. I know the number. to look at the 50 years of films, television, <laughs> music, to challenge your nostalgia and to get at the question, I did this. Should we should, keep Should we keep should this? We keep should we clap these? for this? No, we shouldn't. So good. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah. I'm Gina Stevenson. Ooh. Oh, I'm Stephen Muskus. Whoa. Whoa, what are we talking about today? Um, it's the year 1986, so we're talking about Top Gun and... Damn. Platoon. And this is Woo-hoo. the year of, I actually have a few. Oh, thanks for always taking my job and doing Oh, well, wow. she says after she's already not, taken not my job, you took murder. Every single week, like mine. Okay, okay well, yeah. mine is very simple because it's Please very the obvious it one. It's just Army versus Navy because, like, it's all about war. Yeah, but Army, Navy, like, what? That's what? That's the two movies Army and Top Gun is Navy. They are fighter pilots, but they are part of the Navy. I just felt like that's weak. I know. I'm just saying that's just what it is. I never said this part of it has okay. to be like so This is amazing. the year. I feel like it's the year of, I have, I have three. Uh, it, turns out men ha- it turns out men feel things. Mm-hmm. Uh, close talking shirtless men. Um, and uh, homoeroticism in the military. That is, I thought, what the, what? Army, no, Navy. I, that's just what I'm just talking about facts right now. All right. So, All right. you know, right. I like close talking shirtless men. That's the one that I would vote that for. That I think is the, I also mm-hmm. agree that that's mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, uh, which one did you watch first? Top Gun. Top Gun. Yes. So this is the this top. Is one of the first times that we've watched. Opposite order. In a different order. Uh-oh. How does it influence well, our feelings? I'll start with Top Gun. Bam, bam, bam. Top of my list and it's the top grossing bam, movie. Bam, bam, bam. Um, all right, so Top Gun. Beep, beep, beep. Eh, thank you. Keep it, keep it coming. Keep it coming throughout. Um, this is about naval aviator Pete Maverick Mitchell. Beep, beep, beep. Maverick. Oh, thanks. Um, they all have nicknames like that, so that's he's just going to yeah, be Maverick. Yeah, it's referred to as a calls. Uh, nickname. Cute little nicknames. Yeah. Um, so Maverick is a great pilot. Doesn't always follow the rules, you know, but he's a great pilot. Um, and so he and his co-pilot, this guy named Goose. Goose. Who's, um, whose job, I do not know what it is, but we'll talk about that later. But he just sits in the back and seems to like yell encouraging things. Helps, and he helps or, like look out. Or be like, like oh, where, there's somebody where coming, where believe it? it or not. Yeah. Um, so he, the two of them get sent to Top Gun, which is the Naval Fighter Weapons School in Same. California, um, where the best, most elite fighter pilots are trained. Uh, the night before Top Gun actually starts, he tries unsuccessfully to pick up a woman at a bar. The next day, we learn that that same woman is actually Charlotte Charlie. <gasps> An astrophysicist and instructor at Top Gun. Awkward, because you just tried to pick her up. Um, but luckily, you know, she falls for Maverick pretty immediately. Um, they fall for each other. They start dating, but they have to keep it secret, kind of, because she's an instructor and he's a student. Um, meanwhile, Maverick's rival at Top Gun is Iceman, who is an excellent pilot, um, who views Maverick's reckless methods as dangerous, which, you know, they are. Uh, the whole story basically is them like flying around in different drills, competing for this Top Gun trophy, 
uh, which will be given out at the end of the school year, semester, couple weeks. I think they say it's Not eight sure weeks. Not sure the timeline. Okay. Um, during one training flight, though, uh, Maverick's plane's engines stop working, and the plane crashes, and his friend slash co-pilot, Goose, tragically dies, which, of course, me- makes Maverick overcome with guilt. Uh, Charlie's there for emotional support, much as she can. Um, Maverick and Ice... Uh, whoa. Oh, no, I skipped a bunch of lines. Um, Maverick almost quits because of all this guilt, but in the end, he does choose to graduate with the rest of his class. Iceman, though, wins the Top Gun trophy. Trophy. Um, Maverick and Iceman then get called away for a real mission, during which Iceman is surrounded by all these enemy planes. Don't know what enemy, but an enemy. Um, And Maverick overcomes his guilt and his fear to save the day. So he, like... Shoots a bunch of the enemies down, brings Iceman back home, and after being celebrated, Maverick chooses to return to Top Gun as an instructor, where he's reunited with Charlie. Ooh. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, bam, thank you. Bam, bam. Um, yeah, what is yeah. what is stuck with us from this movie? Well, uh, we have two big old songs that oh, that yes, yeah we, do. we um this you I think you know the eighties seems to be. They seem to tap into like getting songs made for uh, movies. Like instead of having you know John Williams write a mm-hmm. theme song like True. in the seventies, it's mm-hmm. like let's write, let's get a band to write a hit song that can play on the radio. Yeah. yeah. So our bangers include uh, Danger Zone. Yes. Banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Power to the Danger Zone. Yeah. Uh, banger number dose is. Take, Take my, my breath, breath away. away. Boom, boom, boom. Both of which are boom, played boom, boom. several times. Several times. Really movie. hammered home. <laughs> which I felt like actually though is the purpose of theme music mm, to be played theme. multiple times in different contexts that like give sort of a uh, like either like give room to reinterpret the song or give more like information to reinterpret the scene. Um, sure. Yeah, I feel like that's the reason for theme music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interesting. I watched an interesting like f- video on like why we can't remember any of the music from the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a couple things, but part of it has to do with that. That like, there's no like tension mm-hmm. typically between the music that's played and the scene. Mm-hmm. So like there's almost like a tension between danger zone or take my breath away based on what's going on. Mm. Yeah. And that helps us remember I it. Suppose. It was remember a lot. it. Sure. Um, yeah. And then that high five. Oh yeah. No, that's sweet high five. They go up and down the bottom. Um, and yeah, like you see that in like Grace and Frankie and you see that in, in all kinds of stuff. And then uh, also the biggest line in the film, I feel the need, need. the need, need for speed. speed. Um, my favorite reference to that has to be uh, it, Pinky and the Brain mm. because they have one that's like, I feel the need. <laughs> The need for an increase in velocity. <laughs> <laughs> That's Love cute. It. I like Love it. Love it, brain. Um, but then, yeah, and then for uh, for for this, we for actors, this is Meg Ryan's first big role. Yeah. Not even in the closing credits. I was like, hot damn. Mm-hmm. Um, Val Kilmer's breakout role, mm-hmm. and 
this wasn't Tom Cruise's breakout role, but it was the role that like cemented him as a box office star. Cause like risky business and the outsiders were all in 83. And then this was like his next movie. And so that was like, boom, Tom Cruise is one of the biggest box office stars that we have. So yeah, it definitely like Mm -hmm. established them. Um, Also, I have no hope for this new Top Gun that's coming out. Um, (sighs) Zero hope. But uh, just something I think is interesting is that the the movie was made for uh, $15 million, $34 million in today's dollars. It made $356 million, $815 million in today's. Well, like the budget for the sequel is $140 million. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, it's over... 10 it's not over 10 times forgive me <laughs> but it is you know like roughly four times the budget and mm-hmm. we're not going to see a quality increase of four times mm-hmm. it's going to be shit it's going to be independence day to other independence day um there's a second independence day i didn't even know about that right because so it was so bad there you go. yeah yeah um yeah okay got it i feel like some some bias may be creeping in but we're talking that's top gun too but but so i just also top yeah, gun too, yeah maverick Maverick. That it, oh, it is what it's, it's called, called, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I just don't. I just think that like, it's yeah. not gonna. Yeah, it's not, it's not gonna, work gonna be a, about being a quality movie. It'll be about nostalgia and right. You know, probably blowing stuff up and cool plane moves. Right, and yeah. you know, also there's been so much focus on his jacket, because like it no longer has the flag of Taiwan on it, oh. um, and that has a lot to do with like. Uh, the amount that like it obviously has to do with the amount that Chinese production companies, hmm. you know, produce help yeah, co-produce fin- mm-hmm. films in Hollywood. Mm, sure. And if they don't believe Taiwan exists, right. it ain't gonna yeah. be on his Take jacket. That off his jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Dopers. Wild. Shall um, I move on to the old platoon? Platoon. Platoon. <laughs> Platoon. Uh, yes, this is the best picture winner of 1986. Um, this movie is set in 67, and it follows U.S. Army volunteer Chris Taylor, who is deployed to South Vietnam to serve in the infantry during the Vietnamese War. Uh, Vietnam War. Well, weird. I said Vietnamese War. That was... I mean, it's yeah, interesting. I, yeah. It's I don't just have an not opinion on it just yet. No, call it. Yeah. yeah anyways. It's unusual. Okay. So his platoon is officially led by this young, inexperienced lieutenant, but in reality, the soldiers differ to two of these more experienced sergeants. One is the cynical, rough Sergeant Barnes, and the other is the sort of idealistic Sergeant Elias. Team Elias. Team fucking I mean, Elias. It's obvious we are supposed to be on Team Elias, but yes. Uh, a lot of the movie is like the chaos and terror of war, which is, is just sort of in the forefront of much of this movie. Um, Taylor, our, you know, the volunteer who we're following, bonds with Elias and the soldiers on his side who all like have good times smoking pot, uh, and like dancing together. Uh, well, he also, well, Taylor tries to keep his distance from the sort of Barnes crew who have, you know, a little bit more intense, don't smoke pot, they do drink, they gamble, you know, but they right. just seem a little more intense. Um, we just essentially follow the platoon as they go through the war. Uh, there's one scene when sort of tensions have grown, when different members of the platoon have been killed, uh, where they come across this village where they find a hidden, a hidden cache of weapons and Barnes is sort of, you know, interrogating the village chief, trying to get some information that they are, you know, 
with the Viet Cong and, and then he shoots the chief's wife and he's about to kill his child when Elias arrives uh, to break it up and the two of them fight uh, and essentially like the escalation of the, the sort of inf- the war between the members of the platoon is, is really, really high. Uh, and so during a later fight in the jungle, Elias gets separated from the rest of the platoon. Barnes goes, Barnes goes off to find him and instead shoots him in cold blood, uh, which Taylor realizes pretty immediately wants to kill Barnes doesn't uh the platoon is sent to the front line where there's this really intense slaughter basically you know where they're kind of just surrounded and like everybody is overwhelmed dying uh only ends when an airstrike airstrike destroys basically everything and just before that barnes like almost kills taylor he's got like an axe or something above his head and he's got crazy eyes Mm -hmm. but then the airstrike happens and then when taylor regains consciousness he shoots barnes exactly the same way kind of that he yeah. At Barnes shot Elias. Um, Taylor is really badly injured from this fight. He's sent home on a Red Cross helicopter, and the movie ends with him just watching, you know, down below the craters of dead bodies, and he's like sobbing and, you know, reflecting on this experience that he just had and the war. So that is Platoon, harrowing. Yes. So uh, many actors were in this movie. I couldn't right. believe how many now famous actors. Yeah, and like I, that's the thing. So I. You know, I'm I'm starting to care less and less about like the budget and how much it makes. Mm. But this movie was made for six million dollars, which is insane. Wow. Since they were on location, they had to train in a military style boot camp for 30 days prior to mm. shooting. And it's just filled with so many actors that are now famous to yeah. think that like it was so affordable to be using them. Right. Um nowadays, like six million dollars is what like the smallest of them would probably get paid. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, it won director, picture, sound, and uh, film editing. It's actually part of a trilogy, I had no idea. Uh, Born on the Fourth of July and Heaven and Earth are the other mm-hmm. two parts of the trilogy. Um, then this was actually something wild. So that he wrote... Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone mm-hmm. uh, wrote and directed the movie. He started the writing process when he was in film school and sent a copy of the film to Jim Morrison because, so he served in Vietnam and then went to film school and like wrote about his experiences. And he kept thinking about like the music of the doors narrate or like scoring the, 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 what do you call it? The music of the doors scoring his, an experience in Vietnam and wanted Jim Morrison to play the Charlie Sheen role, sent it to him and like Morrison never got back to him, but allegedly it was indeed in his apartment in Paris when he died. So like he didn't just like throw it away. Hmm. Um, And Val Kilmer ended up playing Jim Morrison in the Doors movie, which is my my first encounter with Opposite Meg Ryan. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh my God, she's in that movie? She's in that movie. It's been a long time. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I love that movie. And Crispin Glover. Isn't that too? Oh wow! He's uh, Andy Warhol. Oh my god! I have to rewatch. I watched this when I was a kid because like, I really my dad do love the movie. Obsessed it's with the doors. So good. Yep. Um, but they, so it, he was struggling to get it produced by the late seventies when he had more clout. He wanted to get it produced, but Deer Hunter and Apocalypse Now came out, and it was like, okay, well, Vietnam <laughs> movies. We get it. <laughs> we've the 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 two best have come out. Right. Um, <laughs> And so then that's why it took so much longer to get it made. And then it wasn't until he wrote his film Salvador about uh, El Salvador that like a British produced production company bought both scripts mm-hmm. and greenlit them both. Um, 
so King, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember who he plays, it's an uh, actor by the name of Keith David. Crazy. This is his second credited movie ever. But after this movie, he goes on to be, he's more of a, he's a character actor, plays more side roles, but he does three to eight films a year from this movie forward. Mm. So that launches his role. Um, And it also launched uh, John McGinley, who who plays Perry Cox on Scrubs, Mm -hmm. who I also learned one of the pioneers who basically like he helped develop the campaign, which is the reason that we don't say the R word anymore. Uh, Yeah. Like he has a, a child with Down syndrome and he's worked a lot in in like mental sort of like ableism advocacy. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the like integral parts of that campaign. Yeah. Um so Johnny Depp's big, first big role, and then uh Lieutenant Wolf, Mark Moses, uh from who we know most from Mad Men. Mm-hmm. It's his first movie. Duck. Um, Good old duck. I thought it was, I just also thought it was cool. Um, Corey Glover, mm-hmm. he's in the band Living Color. Um, he plays the, the role of Francis. He's the guy that like he wounds himself mm-hmm. to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like that's Defoe, Sizemore, Sheen. Those were already um, they were already stars. But uh, just something cool about Charlie Sheen. I'm, it's not cool about Charlie Sheen, but with all the drama that happened with Charlie Sheen a couple of years ago, um, they've, he, there's something now called the Charlie Sheen effect, which was that in the weeks after his, um, him announcing that he's HIV positive, they said that like the increase in HIV, like uh, Google searches, the, the increase over the following weeks was 2.75 million above average. And it was a 95% uh, increase in the purchasing of over-the-counter HIV tests. And so like they, uh, I'm going to just use an ambiguous they because I don't have the source right in front of me, but it stated that like it was one of the most like singularly effective moments in like spreading HIV awareness. Hmm. Um, and yeah, he's kind of a complicated dude cause he's been advocating for like HIV related issues and donating to like HIV related charities since, uh, since Ryan white in 87, but then he's also an anti-vaxxer and a truther. So people are complicated dog. Um, yeah, the <laughs> most, uh, this is something that's, should I, should I say something that's just for you and me? Um, just for you and me. If it's fast. Okay. Sure. Great. Uh, Francisco Quinn, Francesco Quinn, Mm -hmm. uh, this is his breakout role. Uh, but he had been, uh, the year before in a mini series of Quo Vadis (laughs) as Vinicius and who played Nero, but Klaus Brandauer from out of Africa who played Broer. Oh, wow. So that's a, that's the oh, Tom Grossing film of 1951. 1951. Oh, right, which we and, uh, almost started our yeah. podcast with. And then we watched the movie and we're like, did we ever that talk film about this movie ever? That film slugs. <laughs> um, but yeah, the biggest, 
but far and above the the only thing that like is consistently consistently referenced in this movie is Willem Dafoe's death mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's left for dead, and then as they're flying mm-hmm. over, you see this he's like being- Vietnamese mm-hmm. army regiment like chasing them, chasing somebody, and it's Willem Dafoe, and they're like, so they they strafe the ground the helicopters do to try to like give him cover and then as you see him like get shot he falls to his knees with his arms spread open wide and then falls to the ground and i mean it's in Mm -hmm. so many any any comedy where there's a water balloon fight a pink ball fight like somebody is going to die that way Mm -hmm. um and then also the uh it's that it all happens to Barber's Adagio for Strings. And that music is used a lot in like fight scenes and mm-hmm. scenes of war okay. and stuff right. based on right. this movie. Got yeah. it. You were, you, I saw the look. I was that just was ready like, for uh, it to come be on, man. Explained. And it was. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you ready? I'm ready to vote. I'm ready. Ready to vote. One, a two, two three. Okay. Both? Just platoon? Are you kidding me? I am not get kidding the fuck you. Get out with Top Gun. I'm not gonna get. I'm oh gonna sit right God, here. Oh my God! I'm gonna this sit. This is one of my the movies that I hated. One of them that I hated the most. That really? Watched. Yes. Oh, I'm so really? excited. Really? You hated Top Gun? I one of the most. It. Yeah. Wow. I'm so excited. Oh, what? Oh, this is gonna be juicy. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know where we're going right now. Let's go to Top Gun. What well, fucking oh, uh, Top Gun oh, Town? Here we go. Okay. Uh, fucking well, diggity damn. Okay. Fucking okay. Cool. Okay. Hit, hit me with. I uh, don't even. Okay. Let me begin actually with something that. So the effect of the, one of the effects of this movie that it had culturally was that like while it was being played, like when it right. came out, it was you know, top grossing, obviously. So it was in lots of theaters. And actually it was something, there was some statistic about like a month after it came out, like for like the number of theaters showing it increased by like 40% or something mm-hmm. crazy. Like it just kept having people watch it. Right. And it was, and the Navy like reported that they saw something like a 500% increase in, in, you know, people volunteering, uh, saying that they wanted to be like Navy fighter pilots or whatever because of this movie. Um, so that in itself is not, bad that like it allowed recruitment to go up for the military um but okay Uh, okay so i feel like this movie so first of all it has one of the worst relationships with a woman like one of the worst portrayals of a woman in the movies that we've seen i think we'll talk about that in a second but i feel like it's it's portrayal of what it's like to be in the military is that it is all we see no like challenge aside from the like everything is just it's fun you're like flying around you know to pretending to blow things up uh or you're like hitting on a woman who's also your teacher and there's but there's no like work that doesn't feel like there are is there's like work that goes into it I couldn't tell the timeline of it because I was like every scene is just sort of them like enjoying kind of getting to do this and like sometimes being yelled at a little bit, but like mostly, you know, you're flying and the adrenaline is high and it's like very exciting, right. To like be in the military. Um, and so I just feel like as far as a representation of like, what is it actually like? It doesn't seem to me like it is necessarily a 
fully accurate, like complete portrayal of like what it means to be in the military, especially if that it causes, if it therefore caused a 500% increase in people, like people, that is people who are going to join the military because they expect it to be what they saw in the film, right? Which is like fun and, and all these things. Um, and so, yeah, so like that, I just feel like in general is like a responsibility that movie makers have when you're making a movie about the military that like personally, I just, you know, being someone who is like not going to join the military and has a lot of issues with, with military and military spending and whatever. Like, I just feel like the, the point of view is like the military is a place to be cool. And like, if you join, you get to like become this awesome hero who like gets to like go around and blow shit up. Yes. Somebody dies. And like, there is intensity to it as well. And you know, fear, but I just feel like that's the overall message for me. Um, and then like, and I, there are a lot of like de little details too, but like I couldn't stand the way that they portrayed this woman, Charlie, um, because like one of the reasons being like, so she is an astrophysicist who's been teaching at Top Gun with like all these, you know, Navy pilots, like the best of the best. And she's again, an astrophysicist uh, with a PhD and everything. And uh, the first, the first, you know, so we first meet her in the bar and there's a really intense, like horrible, you know, attempt at coming on to her, which includes following her into the bathroom. Um, but then like when we see her in teaching the next day, she gets like three sentences out and then she's interrupted by Maverick, uh, who sort of, you know, immediately kind of like negates what she's saying, which is not about her. It's about like, he has done something with his plane that like the army even didn't think was possible basically. Um, and she like never gets to finish not only her sentence, but her lesson. And she's immediately just sort of like taken with this guy. Um, and she, from that moment on just becomes her whole existence in the movie is about supporting him. Um, she is supposed to be his teacher. The one time that she criticizes him rightfully because he is a dangerous ass flyer, he gets all pissy at her. And he like walks off, won't listen to her. He like honks his horns while she's talking. He's like, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. She like chases him all the way like through the streets of California to get out and to be like, I did that because I love you, basically. And I was like, I don't, he has no, res I don't think he has any respect for her. And I don't think the movie has any respect for her. Uh, and and like she is just like she's they're they're saying she's an astrophysicist to show like we have a smart strong woman in our movie but then every scene where, that she's in she is only like happily kind of being flirted with and like never asserting herself we never learn anything about her supposedly she takes a job that's better in washington or she's like offered this better job and then when he comes back to top gun at the end she's just there and they don't even say anything about like her job or the fact that she just like happens to be there basically. Uh, so yeah, I just like, that really, really infuriated me um, generally. And I have more details as well <laughs> if we want to get into them. Um, yeah. How, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I definitely, as far as the end, mm -hmm. what I really didn't understand is why they didn't, yeah, have that moment reversed. Because they had this moment where it's like, uh, you know, you could go anywhere you want, where where you want to go. And he's like, I was thinking about being an instructor. Mm -hmm. That to me, I was like, oh, well, you don't seem to have 
wanted to be an instructor. That doesn't really seem particularly motivated other than the fact that like be with her. It's mentioned in the film that like when you finish, you can go anywhere that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, It also seemed to me, I was like curious to me that like, it seems to me like that it would be a failure, right? Like if you're some sort of like, if you are the best pilot in the U S military, I don't, and maybe this could be an issue of like you and I don't actually have the ability to conceive of um, military, uh, like a military career that doesn't immediately involve deployment to hot combat. Um, because, you know, w- because when we were roughly 10, hot combat began that's still going on. Um, so like, I don't know what in peacetime a career military pilot does, but I'm like, why would you go through this training program, become the best pilot and then become <laughs> relegated <instructor>. to <laughs> schools? Yeah. Um, but also I was like, you know, and this film has the film I'm about to reference has lots of problems, arguably more problems than this movie, but um, who's to say, um, in, you know, I was ready for sort of like a goodwill hunting moment to be, you could go anywhere in the world. And he goes, he should have said something about like any openings in Washington. Mm-hmm. And then she could be off mm-hmm. work in a bar. Right. And then the in jukebox Washington. starts playing, sure. you know, that song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've lost that love and feeling. And, and then she turns around and he's there. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been, yeah, like a much stronger mm-hmm. ending um, for sure. Um, I also think that. As far as the portrayal of of women are concerned, the the other this is this is uh, blanket across both films is that by virtue of them being military movies in the based on the in the period of time that they were, it effectively means that there will be no women in the film once we like are in the military. Yeah, Um, but I'm saying, but but they they put a woman in this movie and they did a horrible job with her. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, let me see, let me see, let me look at my notes. Um, I also, and this is related just to interrupt you, <laughs> uh, but like it, so Maverick, which a is just like, I guess you can choose, I don't know if you choose your call name, but I'm like, okay, on the nose, we get it. He's a Maverick, but like you. I don't know if you choose your call sign. I wonder. I don't, I don't know. know. It chooses you. Um, but like, so his whole thing, it feels like the message also of this movie is like, the entitlement, the the righteous entitlement of a guy like Maverick in both professionally and with this woman in that he is constantly, you know, like he's yelled at several times by the his commanding officers about like, you know, purposefully breaking rules of engagement to like get something or to do something risky or whatever. And every time, you know, they basically say, don't do it again or else. And then he's like, you got it. And then he does it again. And somebody else says, don't do it again or else. And then he says, you got it. And then he goes, of course, and does it. And then like is successful in some way or whatever. Right. And so he, there, he is just like encouraged. It feels, and like, therefore has, you know, will has no reason not to believe that he shouldn't just kind of take whatever risks he wants because they are right, you know, and then with women as well, she basically, I mean, not only in the scene in the bar where 
he just sort of like ambushes her with a group of guys like right. singing straight to her and she's her body language she's got her arms crossed and i feel like she was directed to be like oh you're having a good time but i feel like her arms she like couldn't help but like cross her arms at the like ah, of like you know 20 like dudes right. in our uniform just like singing at her um and then you know he follows her into the bathroom where she seems to she's she's kind of she's like not saying yes but she also is not like get out of the bathroom you creep you know uh because of course like the movie thinks it's kind of it's like good and proactive sort of of maverick maybe to do this but then also like she you know she says one time or she says a couple times she's like i'm an instructor i don't date students and in the same breath essentially she writes down her number for him and, or like she writes down like come meet me at my house um for dinner and so again like he is being told that it is good for him to feel entitled to all these things uh to her and to like the risky behavior he does in his job right and like he is rewarded for those things in a way that like makes no sense uh and if she is an instructor like they don't even do it there isn't even she doesn't even have a plot moment where it's sort of like they're found out and she gets a scene where like she has to defend her actions or like maybe she'll be suspended because she dated a student which is like probably against all the protocol you know like she doesn't even it's like they set that up as like it has to be a secret and then it just kind of fizzles and she just basically is like his arm candy kind of through a lot of scenes. So that's also that. You know, as I read my, uh, as I read my notes, I wonder if it's because I have just a general, either something so awful as to like just sort of the nature or like this insidious nature of like this kind of cinematic propaganda mm -hmm. or if it's because I think that the movie is a little bit like I felt like it was pieced together really sort of like kind of like leaning on film structure in a way that like she walks into the bar and then he's like and she's lost that love and feeling in a way that like didn't establish that he was actually attracted to her. Mm -hmm. um, it was just like a, it was like, boom, shot on a woman. We know it's the woman now. Boom. And so they had just said like, who, well, they had just placed a $20 tonight. bet to right. have sex on the premises the of bar. the bar. Right. Uh, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and Goose is also married with a kid. Right. right. Um, yeah. That's right. I uh, about that. Yeah. Like, well, it hasn't been introduced to the film <laughs> no, yet. Right, but like, it's been happening because he's right. a kid. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, kid was not conceived and born over the course of that eight weeks. Right. Um, but yeah. And I, I think that, like, I wonder if I was too affected by the, like, energy of the movie or just kind of generally unaffected. Cause I also found like, and maybe this was, you know, uh, maybe this was like an okay thing to do in the eighties, but like, because we weren't at war, we couldn't make up who we were at war with because like they, right. there, there was actually the uh, department of defense insured because I actually just there's a great podcast on like the ways that the Department of Defense has interfered with various Hollywood films mm. and like they said like Goose the plane couldn't crash with them in it but he could die mm. in ejection oh, okay. um, mm. and then because they just would never negatively depict 
the their pilots. But then uh, also like the opening scene where they're like up in the air, they like it had to be above the clouds because there couldn't be any land mm. in sight to, to like, like identify right mm-hmm. to imply yeah, that it sure. was anyone in particular. And then the plane itself is like ambiguously mm-hmm. patterned. Um, the plane itself was ambiguously patterned and like, and yeah. And there's all this reference to like the other guys Mm-hmm. And it's like right, the enemy, right? The enemy, the other guys, yeah. the enemy MIG. We got bogeys, but there's no actual <laughs> reference to like who they're right. fighting and like why there would just all of a sudden just be six planes. I mean, I don't know enough about like random confidential acts of military action, mm-hmm. but like just seems to me weird that yeah, in this place that nobody knows about, they're also dealing with people that no one knows about. Like mm-hmm. why is what's going on um and so that to me was like a bit silly so i don't know that if i like couldn't connect to the film and so things seemed Mm. like the whole film seemed just kind of like meh Mm -hmm. or the opposite um but as i'm looking at my notes none of these notes are positive (laughs) like i mean i'm looking it over and it's like you know uh you know, I feel like this is the first film that I can remember where we actively see somebody like saving the cat um, because he does the thing where he takes back off and like helps his friend, like helps this guy who's like shaken because he was tailed by an enemy plane, mm-hmm. uh, helps him reland, even though he's like low on fuel. Um, yeah. But then uh, also I was curious, does this film start in medias res? Because the opening scene on the aircraft carrier is like all sepia tone, like, and they're taken off and none of the rest of the movie is like that until they're taken off again mm-hmm. at the beginning of act three to go fight in the Indian ocean somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. Be. So I just, I was like, mm, interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, jet wash again so soon. Um, that was like, yeah, so like structurally, there's some things that were just kind of like slapped together. I feel like for women, I under my women tab, mm-hmm. I'm like another military film means low women. He also says walks into the bar and says this is a target rich environment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gotta love meat cutes that involve uh, turning uh, sex into a bet. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Which yeah. also, she then, after she, you know, says no to his advances, goes to the ba- bathroom, he follows her into the bathroom, she right. again says no. She also then walks back through the bar to leave, and to Goose, she's like, he was the best I ever had or something. Right. Right, and so it's like, she's down for the joke. Like, yeah. she's going to help him out. She's cool. She's a yeah. cool woman. You know? I mean, like, I, I did, oh. and maybe it's because I'd seen the movie before, mm. that in this rewatch, it to me was like her going... I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. Hmm. If I was seeing for the movie for the first time, but she wouldn't, wouldn't want her. If she did know that, she would not want her student, another student, to think right. that the other student slept with her the day before she's about to be their teacher. She wouldn't want that. So, right. I don't know about that. Also, yeah, another I don't moment. know. I also think clearly by nature of this whole thing, the the film itself takes a very permissive attitude toward that idea. Mm-hmm. So I think like, in that. 
there's lip service paid to it being frowned upon, but like, I think the film is taking the position that like no one actually thinks that it's truly bad. Right. Um, except like to be, this is just like, Oh, I think that to, it's real. I think no, no, I, I'm no. not saying that it's not no, no, real. No, no, I just don't course. think the film is I, that's taking that. That's what I'm too. saying though, as well is yeah. that like to be the one woman who is like in a position of power with all these men who are like, think who have already been told they're the best, right. you know, and to have them, to need them to listen to you and to take you seriously and to teach them and to be able to like criticize and diminish them when they fuck up, like that amount of like pressure and, you know, target, like being such a sexual target, especially like, obviously that's the jokes. Every single one of these men is going to make is like how hot she is or like something. And she says that she's like something like 20 pilots every eight weeks, you know, like it would add up real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just like yeah. it's so not taking seriously um her the challenge of her position and like how badass she is to be there, you know. Right. She just could um, be so badass. Uh ironically, even though she, so she is based on a real person, but uh apparently fun ish fact oid <laughs> the initially his love interest was going to be a fighter pilot at the school. And then another interve- another intervention by the Department of Defense. They're like, we don't have any women fighter pilots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Even yeah. though, uh, I feel like why wouldn't they just be like, why would that matter? Mm-hmm. Besides, like, maybe if they put a maybe if they had women fighter pilots in this movie more women would want to be, be fire, fighter pilots. pilots. Yeah. Um, maybe you would see like a 500% spike in right. women, female enlistment <laughs> right. in the Navy. Totally. Um, which again is again, not necessarily something that we want. Um, right. but like whatever, you know, uh, do we want, I wouldn't mind more women doing it, I guess. Yeah. More representation like in American imperialism would be better if women were there. Um, no. also though, speaking of the only other woman, so the wife, Goose's wife, um, is like Meg super Rise. fun. Meg Ryan. Um, when Goose dies in, you know, in the plane with uh-huh. Maverick. Uh-huh. So like, you know, they're both in the plane. Her husband dies. She's obviously super broken up. Maverick goes to see her to like say something or be there for her. The first lines out of her mouth are, God, he loved flying with you, Maverick. I'm sorry. No, what? No, like she, it is not her job to console him, first of all. Second of all, even if she doesn't actually blame him, like you would just feel like some kind of anger, blame, Mm. hatred, like, but also like love and friendship. Like so many things would be happening to you in that moment. And like for for her to be another person who is like, don't worry, buddy, it's not your fault in my moment of like deepest sorrow. I'm just like, not everybody has to be patting this guy on the back. Like somebody stop, somebody like, don't give this guy a break. I was also like, they kind of scooted over the idea that he could just keep Goose's dog tags. And then just throw them into the ocean. Like Like she doesn't want them. Right. I was like, Like, did she not want that? Like I couldn't believe he threw them into the ocean. At the very end, he's like, thanks Goose. I don't need you anymore. Or he's like, you'll want to be in the ocean. Like what? That is not your 
decision, you know? Right. Like, he's got a wife and a yeah. son. And, like, he's a pilot. I know he's in the Navy, but he's a pilot. Shoot them into the air. Right. <laughs> put them in into the air. Space. Put those in a balloon <laughs> and put those in the yeah. air. Yeah. Um, also, don't release balloons, everyone. Don't, don't release don't balloons. Don't do it. Bad, very bad. Um, very bad. bad. Also, don't litter into the ocean. Please very don't. Very bad. Please don't. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of blockbusters littering into the ocean. Oh, my God. I don't God, care if you're dramatic. Rose. I don't care <laughs> if you're Tom Cruise. Keep your garbage out of the ocean. Agreed. Um, yeah, I could move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I think it, yeah. I don't, yeah. I think this movie left me feeling so much nothing mm-hmm. that, uh, I was like, eh, fuck it. But like, I don't have any, I don't have any positive notes <laughs> but besides funny. like, mm, I mean, he like wasn't the best. And then, uh, yeah, no, he's just all like, there is some sort of comeuppance for his like, not playing mm-hmm. by the rules. Sure. But other than that, I mean, his friend fuck has it. to die. Yeah. You're right. Come up and for well, every once in a while, your friend's got to die. Doesn't actually like affect him because he still gets to graduate. He still gets to save the day. You know, his friend dies, which is of course like also his prop, like a devastating thing for him, certainly. Sure. But you know, he still. But gets, also, he yeah. learns his lesson and then he gets what he wants. Yes. Right. Also, I mean, the the points made were like a hundred percent accurate. Where it's like it seems like a oh shut up. Where it's like. You know, oh, you did something risky, yeah, in a ten million dollar plane that belongs mm-hmm. to the taxpayers. I'm like, yeah, especially if this is a flight school, right? You're using like multi million right. dollar planes at a flight school. I'm like, this Money. is why we have a seven hundred million dollar defense budget. Right. No, no, no. Right. They can ride bicycles to figure this shit out. Yeah, I don't need this. I'm gonna add one more thing about her again, just because her just so many, Charlotte, so, uh, Charlotte, Charlie, just. The so the first date he comes over to her house for first of all first date she invites him to her house for dinner that's yeah a little gnarly wow a little wild uh, I don't know that anybody would do that nope um he but she can't be seen in public I guess yeah. that's the okay. justification drive to a nearby have. town like sure. you'll be fine gotcha. he comes he's late and he says he comes one of the first thing he says is sorry and she says no apologies and then. Later, she he's like, you forgot to pour the wine. And she's like, sorry. And he just, like, says nothing. And, like, at the end of the scene, he says no apologies to her at some point. But I was just like, he's allowed, she's, like, being allowed to apologize often, I felt like, in this movie. And, like, he's, the message for him is, like, don't apologize, you know. Right. Um, women need to be told that message. Not a guy who actually, like, makes a mistake. Like, being late to a first date because you're playing volleyball, like, dude, Okay. In in his defense, Jump. he didn't play that last game. Oh, <laughs> thanks, buddy. You gave up so much for me. Come to my house. Let's have right. sex right away. Yeah. And they didn't. And they didn't. Right. Oh yeah, because he left. I mean, he had to. He shower. was just like he had to take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> he was just had her twirled around his little finger, and she's just infatuated, and she's like, "Okay, you leave. I didn't yeah. kick you out, but you just go." Anyways, let's talk about Platoon. Let's talk about Platoon. I'm gonna get too mad if we keep talking about Top Gun. Um, Platoon. Yeah, this yeah, is the first should, time I've seen this movie. Me too. Did you me seen too. It? No, I'd never seen it. Yeah. Um, we should definitely keep it though. It's really rough. I I really Yeah, I really liked it. I don't yeah. I don't know that I needed like the narration always. Mm-hmm. To grandma. To grandma. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was writing yeah. letters to his grandma, which was very sweet. But like I Yeah, I dug it. Also, the I'm trying to find 
where it was that it said, but I read something where it's like his, um, one of the quotes that Stone associates with this movie is uh, like the first casualty of war is innocence. Mm. Um, but I want to find the, the source of that. Okay. Well, you do that. I like just the main thing about this movie that it does really well is, and also, I mean, like trying not to get my own like opinions about mm-hmm. war in general, sure. but you know, which is hard to not to hard to keep those out. But of course, like the Vietnam war is certainly one that like everyone can agree pretty much is like, you know, we lost it a, and like yeah. it was sort of, you know, a lot of senseless loss. Um, mm-hmm. And that this movie, you know, the the enemy, it, like, in this movie is really just, like, the infighting that happened between this platoon and, like, about male, like, ego and competition and, like, the terror of war. You know, just, right. like, war is so scary in, in this movie. Um, and, like, not only in all, in all of details, you know, like, not only the terror of fighting or of waiting to be ambushed, but also, like, bugs and, like, snakes right. and... You know, um, and like the the way that the tension builds to the scene in the village was just like unbelievable. I was on the edge of my seat and I like could not believe like how uh, just the the way that like the fear and the anger and the like need to do something was building in these mm-hmm. men, leading them to this like just horrifying violence that almost got even worse. Like they were going to like kill the kids and they were like a bunch of them were just like, let's just, let's waste this whole village. Like let's waste all of them. And you, and then it like shot, you see that like there's like 30 children just like sitting there, like hearing them, you know, they don't Mm -hmm. speak English, but like hearing them say this. And like, it was just so, uh, it was so terrifying. And I just like, there's few war movies for me. I mean, there are several, I guess, but especially more recently that really just like seem to be about, the horrors of war, you know, uh, and like really capture what it must feel like to just be one of the people who that, you know, that's your world for this year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, a couple of things that I really liked. I mean, I liked that, um, you get this big, especially with something like Vietnam where the draftees and the enlisted men are the ones that are dying in the biggest numbers. And then you have these officers that are basically, you know, they're coming out of military school and they're, you know, up on the hill. And so you get this, you get this tension between, you know, these ineffectual officers and the sergeants, like you said, who are on the ground and they're the ones who like know how to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, you have that, you know, after this scene in the village when Tom Berenger has one of the kids at gunpoint and he's like get, trying to get the chief to confess when he doesn't speak Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Or I don't even right. think their translator is there. And he's like holding the guy at gunpoint and then Elias Willem Dafoe shows up and is like, you know, stops it. And then he looks at the sergeant and who I just keep in my head calling duck Phillips, um, lieutenant, right. The, the, lute- lieutenant. the lieutenant. And he's just like, yeah. he's like, Lieutenant, why the fuck didn't you do something? Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like I, yeah, I mean, I just loved it. And then Willem Dafoe tries to report it. And then is kind of like batted away by an officer who has, who can't spare the men to mm-hmm. like have, Barringer court martialed. Right. Um, and then you have like 
you have you it also shows like a you've got Behringer who's this like hard man who is not glorified who's like who is demonized who is shown that like you know in other movies I feel like we get that like you know the horrors of war need a man like him mm-hmm. whereas then you start to see that no he's he's the, he's lost his humanity and will kill Americans mm, right, um right. just because he's there to kill mm-hmm. um and then you have then you have um McGinty or whatever uh McGinley O'Neill mm-hmm. um who is one of the experienced sergeants who just can't you you have him when like just before the battle of I believe it's reflecting the what's referred to as the battle of new year's day, which was, there was like a ceasefire issued and like six hours before the ceasefire ended, then there was this massive assault by like 24, like 2,500, mm-hmm. uh, in VA the North Vietnamese army, mm-hmm. um, attack on this, uh, like American base. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um get to it get to it yeah i mean because you see him and he is one of the main soldiers and like he has to go out like he's um in that battle just like b- right before the battle he's like you got to send me out of here you got to send me home like you you have to i got a bad feeling i just like i can't i can't keep doing this and you know and then he doesn't get that permission mm-hmm. and like he hides under dead bodies and then at the end of the battle he's just like all right here's new platoon right yeah and it's so brutal and like so even even though he survives he's just doing it again the next day and then yeah the endlessness of it is right yeah i also something else that i like is that elias you have a scene where he shows that like he doesn't believe they can win. He doesn't believe that their war effort is legitimate and he doesn't. And he's like respects the humanity of the Vietnamese Mm -hmm. and respects the rules of engagement and respects the newcomers. Yeah. In all, in, in a number of the films that we've seen so far, and at least in the film itself, that guy would be depicted as, like weak you know he's like seen as as weak and the films the people in the film they call him weak but he's done multiple tours over three years and he is one of the he's one of the two most effective sergeants him and tom berenger these like dueling camps and then you get this scene where and this is i mean uh, being opposed generally to violence, warfare, and militarism. You know, so uh, having like a scene of badassery is like kind of a double-edged sword, but you do get this scene where Charlie Sheen's like, can I go with you? And he goes, no, I'm faster on my own. And so you see that like in terms of being a fighter who can protect other fighters because he's going out because he believes that this group of either Viet Cong or North Vietnamese are going to like kind of encircle them. Mm -hmm. He's like, we need to go out so we can do this. And so 
in terms of his abilities as a tactician and as a fighter, you see that like he's exceptional and he takes out like at least 10. Um, yeah. And then he gets shot by Tom Berenger. And then the fact that as they're flying, like he is resisted to the point of being chased by like dozens of people. I mean, he is, it shows that like there is that like a compassionate person mm-hmm. is not necessarily a weak person. Right. Right. No, yeah, um, totally. And I like, I really, really respected that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Agreed. I also thought that like, um, that like you get a large, there's, there's time paid to, to talk about like the people that are in the, on the ground are like there, they have a community and they have like this camaraderie, but like they all come from nothing towns Mm -hmm. and this idea of, you know, fighting for, this capital A America when they just are nobodies from a nothing town and yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I feel like, cause that's something I really appreciate about the movie too, which, you know, in that same vein of sort of like the way that it addressed class and race mm-hmm. uh, and in war. And as far as who is, like you said, typically doing the fighting and, and even just, you know, seeing the progression of the movie, it was like, you know, we know, we learned that Charlie Sheen's character, you know, was in college and dropped out of college to join, to enlist. Um, also because, you know, as he said, he was like, my father fought in World War II, my grandfather fought in World War One, And so like this expectation uh, among like of that, you know, y- the honorable thing is to go and fight for your country. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like he gets there and seeing what he sees, like, you know, is totally, I don't know what his, what happens to his opinions later, but like, the expectation of like what you're supposed to do is like go and fight. And then kind of he goes and is like, Oh, this is horrendous, you know? Right. Um, but also that, so, you know, that he is this, a person from, you know, at least middle-class, if not upper middle-class or something like that. And then, you know, everybody who's there, so many of the people like you were saying are, you know, they're poor or low class in some way. And like, that's, they were therefore like drafted or, you know, whatever right. they like, had to go to the war because they're not in college or they're not, you know, whatever those kinds of ways that you can get out of the war, especially right. in, he yeah, said that I think times. he said that, like the majority of the people that he was with, you know, had like two years of high school max. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I even I even like the moment with uh, I'm pretty sure it was early on in the film. So like I think it was Forrest Whitaker. Um, but he was saying, you know, like, why is it only the rich kids that that get to stay home? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he was like, yeah, yeah you've got to be rich to even think like that. Mm-hmm. This I you know, this. Because I I think that like you know when we conceive of like whether or not to draft dodge, you know I bet and like you know the responsibility of like whether or not you could morally go off to war, I have a feeling that a lot of people in the late sixties and early seventies like those options didn't even exist. It was just like uh well I gotta go like mm-hmm. I um yeah yeah and this idea that like you could enlist by taking some sort of moral stance as opposed to just taking any excuse to not be there. Like mm-hmm. right. he's like, I even like that that gets pointed out. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, and then the other thing about race just being that like in the beginning, you know, you see the movie just, it's, it's like still early, relatively early on. And it seems like 
people are like there's these groups of people that seem like relatively sort of segregated as far as race of like sticking kind of together and and then Charlie Sheen being like where's my place in this like who do Mm -hmm. I talk to who do I like what do I do you know and then as kind of like slowly as time goes on not even that slowly I guess pretty quickly like once he starts he goes to that like pot smoking scene where they're all like with Elias and like having a good time um just like that the that like not in any kind of like cheesy like we none of us see color or like we all can just get along like way like the experiences that they all go through and the ways that they start to learn about each other and learn kind of where they fall morally and where they fall you know as far as their humor or like whatever it is like all the characters just kind of like really bonding together and in very different looking groups than they looked like in the beginning um was just like a really Mm -hmm. amazing thing you know that I just thought like was a a, a very kind of what I imagine to be truthful portrayal of like what happens when you're in war together. Um, right. but also like not actively allowing us to only see the people who are Charlie Sheen's allies being only white people, you know, that like the film was like, these are actually like, who are the people who are here? And, and like, as people get to actually know each other, which you will, if you are, you know, spending 24 hours a day together doing this brutal work, like that, that's kind of what's happening in the movie. And mm. that was just, I would really appreciate that as well. Yeah. It kind of, uh, honestly, we're like talking about very sober things. So I was, re- <laughs> re- I was, um, uh, re- resisting the urge to go water the womb. Um, because we had talked about like, we talk about like blood is thicker than water. Oh, we, yeah. We've already talked about like the definition. Couple, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. just that it, it originates from like being a, a military, um, uh, I'm going to say aphorism and um, meaning that like that the bonds that are formed through this exact thing are like thicker than, than family that like thicker, thicker than anything else basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, you start to see like the fact that they have faced that together. And on top of that, you have this additional layer of like, their response to having faced it being like being compassion that like that there is something good. Whereas like you see Tom Berenger's group, not only you have one guy uh, kill, you know, yes, Charlie Sheen does like he kind of snaps at because this is they find that Vietnamese town after they find one of their members mm-hmm. like tied to a tree like nailed to a tree basically yeah. he's murdered very viciously and so when they find that town they're all right. on edge and and furious and so like you see there's this mentally ill man that Charlie Sheen is like mm-hmm. shooting at the ground to make him jump up and down and this other guy's like, man, kill him, kill him, kill him. And he he stops himself, but then the other guy shoots mm-hmm. him. And so, like, you see that he's, you know, kills this mentally, you know, he's killing this mentally ill guy. You know, you have Tom Berenger shoot this woman in the head and threaten this child. And then you also have, uh, I think that that's the moment where you probably have Charlie Sheen shift because shortly after that, I think that he sees what he could be capable of mm-hmm. yeah. because it's shortly after that where he stops the gang rape. Right. Um, because the, after they've sort of done what they're going to do with the town in terms of like, they're not going to kill anybody else and they're not going to like, they've decided they're going to burn it down. 
then he finds these two people have uh, he finds these guys that are ready to like rape these two girls yeah and you know they're yelling at him for like being weak and and you know n- not just doing what they do there um and he's like they are human beings right. yeah, yeah right which is not what they are treating them as yeah no totally and it was and you know this i think in the last one of the last voiceover moments he talks he's like the bat that i am the child of like barnes and elias or something like something mm-hmm. about being like that they are sort of like his fathers and and figuring out where he fits and so that's another thing too of just like the main character charlie sheen's character it's like there's a long scene of him shooting at that guy's feet it's long and yeah. you know he is so his character is in no way portrayed as like some moral hero the whole time you know like he's terrified he hates it there at the beginning. Like he doesn't know what to do. And then in that moment too, you're like, stop, stop. You're doing the wrong thing. Like you, you should not, like you obviously should not be shooting this guy and let alone the fact that he's mentally ill, like all of these, you know, and that scene just keeps going. And like, you don't know if that's going to be the turning point of him, you know, turning into this monster or whatever. And so like, I just feel like it also, you know, showing the truth of that, of like making him a more complex character who is grappling with the same emotions that, the other people in his platoon are grappling with, you know, and that he's not immune to those sort of out mm-hmm. that moment, the like potential turning moment, you know, where you kind of become this, this monster do these monstrous things. So yeah, it's just like a very complex and real yeah. portrayal. I'm seeing a lot of, um, I haven't found any research to reflect that there's any direct influence, but like there's definitely some parallel thought between this and Lord of the flies. Mm. I feel like this, oh, yeah. you know, totally this jungle, this like, that the beast is in them mm-hmm. and you have these right. two camps of like, you know, the ideology of like survival is <laughs> being feral or survival is like clinging to humanity. Right. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It just, it just, it seemed so awful. And I did, I watched it uh, with my roommate and, you know, because and he was in, he was in Iraq in 04 and yeah, we were both just like being in a rainforest would just be awful. Oh God. It's so hard. Just being like wet all the time. You mm-hmm. see the, the one guy junior, like ha- who seems to have foot rot mm-hmm. from just how wet they are all yeah. the time. Um, you know, the bugs, so many bugs. everywhere. Ugh, so many bugs. Every, yeah. It just, yeah. it, would be hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awful. Yep. Great. Uh, mm. Should we upbeat. check back it up? Um, but just yeah, and romantic I'll, comedies this week. Yeah. And I did, I just, I do like, I think about like Elias, like I, I can tell why Elias's death is the most like referenced part of this film. Cause I just like, mm-hmm think about it yeah yeah a lot. it really sticks with you yeah um yeah it's it's brutal and i'm also like fuck man willem dafoe <laughs> you're you're like one of my heroes he did a great job yeah. and he also has these moments because he's such an interest like an mm-hmm. interesting face and like can be so intense like take charge strong harsh in this movie mm-hmm. and then he just like smiles right oh and there's such a innocence and like a playfulness in that smile yeah and it's 
really heartbreaking. And yeah. they have this, they have a moment where, and like it touches on, they touch on heroin a little bit, but I think it's more like allude, like an allude, like it's roughly alluded to mm-hmm. the majority of the drugs you see in this are, is obviously weed. And they, but they have a scene where, you know, he's like, yeah, in the first scene where he's like introduced to everybody, then he's like, you know, shotguns out of his gun. And he, uh, you know, he's like, how you feel? Feel good? And he's like, yeah. He goes, Feeling good's good enough. And just like, even, yeah, I, I would just, mm. I just, yeah, I liked it so much. <laughs> so much. Mm. Um, yeah, I, he, he's somebody who like, when he's spoken of, I feel like he's spoken of with respect, but you don't, he, you don't see him in a lot of things. Mm. And I've never seen him do experimental theater, but like he got to start obviously in experimental theater in the Worcester group. And he did something at bank. He did something recently with Mikhail Bryzhnikov that I never got to see, but uh, that seemed like it would have been wild. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. 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 I'm ready to, let's do it. I'm ready to, I'm ready to you know, check. Yeah. Out. Yeah. One, two, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm fine. I'm, let's give it up. Give let's what? give it up. What? Top Gun. Oh. Let's get rid of it. I don't okay. care. You don't I, care? I, after all that passion, you just like, yeah, whatever, fine. I don't think I had, I mean, oh, you mean after all of your passion? My passion? Uh, yeah. My impassioned... I thought you were implying that I had passion. No, I was no, like, you I had no passion. Time. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. But I think also, so <laughs> I'm wondering, like, as I'm trying to interrogate why... I wasn't like immediately repulsed in the way that I was so repulsed by something like Beverly Hills cop. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I, you know what? I have no fucking idea. And I have no idea if it's because we've been watching all these other like pro military films that I just think are way worse, but also there's no real reason that it's necessarily worse. It's that this is worse. No, no, no. no. Oh. I think like, I just thought like Beverly, Beverly Hills cop was more worse. insidious. I thought Patton was way worse. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, you know, like it wasn't depicting actual war. Like they were at school, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and they don't talk about like, they don't dehumanize anybody, anyone that they're like fighting against because there's, they can't, Talk yeah, about it's who kind of like fighting. if you imagine. I very easily could imagine taking the characters from Top Gun and placing them in Platoon, and I was like, I would not like who they would be. Right, in if the Top Gun was taking movie, place you know? in Vietnam, I wouldn't like it at all. Right, uh, I could very easily feel like I wouldn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. even yeah, I don't know. Even like making that's. Are there many other peace like war military movies that are set in peacetime? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Besides, like, um, I, I haven't seen A Few Good Men, so I don't know I if, uh, because there's an instance with, like, it, it's taking place over, like, a court marshalling, and it's, like, a trial. It's, like, a like a legal mm. film that takes place in the military. But, like, I I don't know if it's... Well, so in that case, it probably... I mean, well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. But it, it has something... It is referencing war in some way, like, a moment of war or, like, actions during war uh, but right. the point of it being just like i it feels very in the rareness right. of like a m- military movie about peacetime just feels kind of overtly propaganda ish mm-hmm. because it is like all we have to show is like we don't have to show any war like look if you join yeah you know 
it'll be fun basically or like you'll right. be learning or you'll be training you know and which like is true you know we're not always at war but it just feels like well we, that yeah feels I mean, kind of like an intentional propaganda move yeah it definitely does i mean especially if you've got like you know we're because of the military industrial complex we have to spend a lot of money on the military i personally am starting to wonder like has it matured to the point where we'll always be at war um and we'll just find a new place where we have to justify violence mm -hmm. um because like the line the very poetic line that i very sort of um masturbatorily i'm about to repeat to you right now is um you haven't had a pretentious moment yet, i haven't so but like you, you know it. here we go thank you um that you know you you can't make more bullets if you're not firing the gun um and so like i feel like mm -hmm. that's where we might be now yeah um and it makes me think about the question again of keeping top gun the idea of a top gun 2020 top right. gun maverick of like what will that movie be telling it like will right. that movie be set in peacetime or in war and if so like right but you know like yeah. since in the past more than in more than the past 50 years i guess since well vietnam technically went on for 20 years mm -hmm. so like in the past more than the past half century we have had from like 75 to 90 i don't really know exactly when desert storm happened when gulf war one happened but like roughly 15 years there and then seven years mm -hmm. and then zero years we have no idea when <laughs> yeah. the next time will be but like that's basically 22 years mm -hmm. in the past half century have been during peacetime so like there, there's just such a narrow time for a military peacetime movie to even be conceived of right. and then produced. If it takes like three years roughly for like a film to be like written, pitched, bought, shot and edited, like, yeah, edited, marketed, I mean, and marketed and yeah. released like, th I mean, three years of, peacetime we haven't even we haven't even encountered having the idea i mean especially if you look at platoon i mean shit we had it it's years it's a decade after vietnam and we're still getting like vietnam war movies like the idea of having a movie that's a military movie that's set in peacetime well, must take it's a really like long the time point of like yeah it makes sense i understand the point of military movies that are about wars because it's about like reflecting and processing this experience of this war this traumatic thing your right. country went through and so I, that's part of like i don't think this i don't think we need any peacetime military movies necessarily because the point of those feel exclusively to glorify the military like that's i don't i can't imagine another reason to make a peacetime military movie mm -hmm. um yeah yeah that's interesting yeah I guess in my defense, please. I'm gonna evoke that I think you wanted to keep Patton, and I viscerally did not. <laughs> so I guess fine. like no, I, wait, what, I just what I feel you... defensive. Oh, I'm I sorry. Feel defensive. No, no, yeah, I'm not yeah. sorry. I'm not sorry. I um, have opinions. Um, that's fine. You can feel defensive. I'm yeah. right. It's fine. No, I'm kidding. No, I mean, well, <laughs> clearly I have seated that that uh, yeah, that yeah. you're right. Um, yeah. Got it. But yeah, we'll keep platoon. 
but yeah. that one can stick around. Yeah, the only um, thing about Platoon that I didn't necessarily like is they did use Vietnam. It was shot in the Philippines, and they did use Vietnamese refugees to play the Vietnamese. Oh, wow, that's dramatic. Yeah, I'm just sitting there being like, I'm just wondering what the ethics, what that was like, what the mm-hmm. ethics of that, mm-hmm. how that went about. Um, yeah, because like, but it would be not great if it was like, Filipino people playing Vietnamese. Like, it's also, like, what's the best solution? Right. It's know? more like, did they, like, we want to make a, were they, was the community approached going, we mm-hmm. want to make a film that reflects the horrors right. of the war that you survived? Would you? Would you be interested? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if they said yes, then I'm like, oh, yeah. fine, cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I wonder. You probably want a film about right. that, too. There is something cathartic, I imagine, yeah. in, I mean, something horrifying in reliving the trauma of mm-hmm. that experience, but also cathartic about you know honoring like the truth of what happened to so many of your people you know right i imagine yeah that, that you're right what are the ethics of it or like what how did they approach it yeah because that's like big as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. it's very important oh, yeah um john so uh <gasps> we um, a keep on platoon yes what's next week what's 87 about 87, I where's Donde Esta Mi Culture Chart? Oh, did I close that oh, window? Gosh. Holy hell. Well, you know what? You don't know it offhand, so That's I... That's true. No, I... It's, yeah. Um, um, in the meantime, I'll say... Oh, you're going to give me a, a sweet, sweet that, haiku? That comes after, because it's like oh, the tag at the end. Yeah, but I do have a haiku. Um, that we are a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Uh... You can follow us places at Should yeah, We Keep you guys, This. You can follow yeah. Rock Rising at Rock Rising, Rising Inc. Inc. With a C. Because it's ink, not ink. And. Yeah, you can follow me at Steve Moskis. Yeah. You can follow this sweet, sweet wit hag. <laughs> That's me, baby. <laughs> yeah. At uh, uh, Gina, Gina wit hag. Yeah. Um, what's next year? Did you find it? So, yeah, it's uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Two. No way again. Uh-oh. Are we seriously doing that? Yeah, no. Maybe we're not. Wow, we'll, we'll yeah. We'll find out what well, we do. What's the other uh, thing? The Last Emperor. Okay. Never even heard of it. Oh, really? Yeah, never I've heard of it. heard of it. Okay, maybe we'll end up doing... What's the TV show? Uh, well, it's the Cosby show, oh, but, but we should wait until later. Rain Man because so, well, Rain Man we'll is music. the same. So we're maybe gonna, we'll do music. Wait, we can do The Last Emperor. Like, no, I don't I fucking know. know. Like, it, and I'm saying we do two things. I'm just saying we don't have to do Beverly Hills Cop too. Well, that would probably. be lovely because we're not going to keep it. Yeah. So we'll yeah. just probably do The Last Emperor Foregone and some conclusion. songs. That'd be yeah. fun. We haven't done songs Sick. in a while. I have a feeling we're not going to keep the first song. Don't spoiler. Don't spoiler it. Don't spoiler it. But do you want to know what it is? No, that's a spoiler. It. Do you want to know what the first the I'm song? I'm pulling is? up my haiku. Do you know so do whatever is? you have to do in the do next you five seconds. Yeah. Um, you lost your window. It's been five seconds. Well, fine. Give me this haiku. Okay. I wrote one haiku this week. Mm. Actually, I'm going to give you a hashtag first. So we end on a oh. thoughtful note. Oh, you know what? I will say. I will mm-hmm. say there was a very interesting moment where, uh, base. So his grandmother. No, Stephen, that is not allowed. Like bedroom scenes. You can't do scenes. this right now because then pl- I can't interrupt uh, fine. you. Fine, okay? okay, go ahead. Hashtag darling. That's your hashtag. We're gonna see how it works this week. Darling. Darling. The, okay, it's just a one word. Okay. okay I know. Fine. Well, because I was like, let's I see. I think you can either do hashtag bring darling back, or you could do hashtag darling, or you could do hashtag. What? How did? What did you chant? Get rid of darling. Throw it out. Get rid of darling. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't remember shouting anything. I didn't have anything else yeah. except hashtag Gina was right. So I... But you didn't seem to be so it's adamant not trend. about me being right. It's not it trend. could, excuse me. It well, it's, look, I am doing my goddamn trend. best here, and it is um, work. You're doing a great job. Okay, hashtag darling. Any variation of that, I will accept. Okay. Our haiku. This is one haiku. Mm. <clears throat> How films show combat to glorify or condemn mm. shapes our thirst for war. Put that on a fucking wall. I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you need to send that to me. Okay, I will. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking screenshot that B-boy. You got it. And send it to me. That's got to be your best one yet. Thank you. I think so, too. I think it's nice to maybe just make one. Yeah, if we can, you know. If there's there's a common thread. Ality. Ality. Common thread Yeah. And so, like, she thinks that she. Okay, see you next time. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.